Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. I want to say I'm so thankful that you are here today, welcoming all of you to Foothills Christian Church, whether you're here on campus or whether you're doing church at home or online at a later date. Now, one of the things that uh, I'd like you to know before we jump into our study is this, is we got GroupLink coming on, and we GroupLink is an opportunity for you to connect. Uh, if you're here on campus, very important to find a small group, connect to the church, that's very important. Or if you're uh, doing church at home or online, don't be isolated, find other people in the same situation as you, and we want to help you get connected. Also, Last year was a killer on a lot of people and their finances, and so we got a special Financial Peace University coming up in February, and it's going to be awesome. You want to sign up. All of this information is on our website. We would love for you to be a part. Now, we're talking uh, right now about choices uh, today, and that is we all make choices, don't we? Uh, This morning, oatmeal, eggs or Starbucks on the way in, right? Yeah, little giant. Do I wear jeans or am I going to dress up a little bit? But then sometimes our decisions get a little bit bigger. Our choice might be for the day, am I going to go into work or take PTO, you know? Uh, it might even get a little bit bigger than that is I'm going to stay in this job or do I need to go find a bigger job? And you notice one thing about choices is that as they escalate, they have a bigger impact in your life, don't they? Because then you get to the point, you say, well, am I going to buy a new car or should I just nurse this clunker on for another year? Or maybe I should say yes to that date or no, she's a fixer-upper. And I don't know about that. That's a bigger decision. And then they even get bigger. Things are getting serious. It's like, do I get married? Because These decisions have a huge impact on your life. When you have children, that's a huge change in your life. Now, whether they be massive decisions or small decisions, you know what our decisions do? The choices that we make, they give us insight into what we are actually living for. They kind of help us understand the priorities that we have, and it also gives us insight into the big decisions that we're making in directing our life. Now, the reason I bring that up is because Galatians is ultimately about a really big decision. It's a massive decision in your life. But on the surface, when you hear about it, you go, that doesn't seem like such a big deal because it seems kind of abstract. It's like, what in the world does that have to do with me, you know? I'm 17, I'm looking forward to all the stuff I want to do in life. I'm thinking about, you know, what kind of hairstyle I want, you know, where I'm going to go to college, you know. I'm, I'm just thinking about all these things, all these, I'm trying to just form my bucket list. Why is this such a big deal? Well, what happens is over time, you start to realize that this decision, this choice that you make impacts everything in your life. It impacts you at the deepest level of your life. 
You see, this choice that you make, at first, it seems like no big deal, but you know what? It impacts the way you view your life. It impacts how you feel about your life. It actually impacts your sense of whether you believe your life has value or not. And so that's why this decision that we're going to talk today is such a really big deal. Now, at first, you're going to hear it, and you're going to go, oh, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. But what I want to do is prove to you why it's such a big deal and why it impacts your life at such a deep level. So that brings us to rule number five, because this is the seven rules of life out of the book of Galatians, and that is this. You need to live for the right thing or the right goal in life. Now, how do you know? If you're living for the right thing, well, ask yourself a simple question. Will your life be justified by faith in Jesus, or will you try and do it yourself? When it comes to the biggest choice in your life, the most important choice of all, how do you know you're living for the right thing or the right choice? By asking yourself, am I going to live justifying my life by myself, or am I going to do it through faith in Jesus Christ? Now, I have my whiteboard out here for no other reason than it's fun, and I like it. No. Actually, what I want to do is I want to kind of give you a little idea of what we're talking about. I want to break this down real quick, all right? And what we're going to be talking about, first and foremost, is answering that question, and that is justified. Now, if you can't see it from where you're sitting, just look up at the monitor. Everybody doing church at home or online will be able to see it really well because you're just seeing it through the monitor, which is really good. Now, first thing is this, is what is justification about your life? And why is it such a big deal? Well, this is what justification is. Every human being has the same psyche, the same desire, and that is to answer the question, does my life matter? Does my life matter? Am I a valuable person to anyone? It is a point of affirmation. People are like, man, I need something that says my life matters. Now, 98% of the people on the face of the planet believe in a God. Uh, some believe in a, a pantheon of gods. But based on that, let's just make the assumption, and that is this. If there is a God, then the notion that your life matters is dependent on your relationship with that God, Right? Are you following with me? This is really important. If there is a God, now there's some people say, well, there is no God. And that's a whole series of messages of why atheism ultimately ends up in a train wreck in your life. But we'll talk about that later. Um, since all of us are saying, well, I, I think there's a God, then if you want to have a life that is valued, affirmed, meaning and purpose and matters to you as well as to others, then you are going to have to figure out how in the world am I right with God, how am I right with him? You know what I'm saying? How do I know if he's happy with me or maybe he's not happy with me? How do I know if his favor is in my life or his favor is not in my life? 
You see, it all comes down to if there is a God, then I'm going to have to figure out how being justified relates to him. And this is where it really gets practical. There's two ways that you can be right with God, right? You can do it yourself, D-I-Y. Or the New Testament teaches you do it through faith in Jesus, okay? So is everybody tracking with me so far? Now, I really like DIY. It appeals to me as a person. Home Depot is my second home. Just to give you an idea, I was at Home Depot a couple weeks ago, and some guy comes in, and he finds an employee wearing the orange apron and stops and says, hey, can you help me find blah, 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 blah. And the person says, well, you know, I'm kind of new. And I said, aisle 14, basics. <laughs> they looked at me, do you work here? Nope. No worries. I got you covered. See, I love DIY. I, I'm the kind of guy that's wired, is, let's just do it myself. I love doing things myself. I love figuring it out. I love doing the work. I enjoy that. And you get such a sense of accomplishment, Right. But when you're a DIYer, you have to realize your limitations, right? There, you have limitations. And on the really super big things, like uh, probably eight or nine years ago, I was in the hospital. I was in cardiac ICU. The cardiologist comes in and says, well, we're going to have to take you down to the cath lab and do an angio on you. We're going to just bury him in you, see what's going on in there. I didn't get up and say, I'd like to do that myself. You know, you kind of know your limitations. You say, okay, I'll let you drive. All right, no worries. And so, so you have to know in the super big, super big, most important decisions of all, how do I get right with God? I can do it myself or I can have faith in Jesus. And this is what Paul is talking about in chapter four of the book of Galatians. This is exactly what he's talking about. Now, a young man with immense potential, quite handsome, I might add, opened up the discussion on this argument in chapter 3 last Sunday. That happened to be my son who was preaching. So thank you, son, for doing that. Big shout out. Way to go. Uh, chapter 4 picks up this argument. So they're both together, okay? It's important to understand how they are together and the first one was, this is the big kind of conceptual arguments. And chapter four is, this is how it applies to your life. So let's dig into this and let's get a sense of what Paul is talking about and how this whole issue of justification by doing it myself or faith in Jesus and being right with God is such a big, important deal. So... Uh, verses 1 through 7, all right? Let's read them. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a servant, although he owns the whole estate, okay? The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father, so also when we were under age, we were in bondage or slavery 
to the elementary or elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And this spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now the word Abba was a uh, kind of like a Jewish or Hebrew idiom that meant dad. So it was a very intimate type of thing. And most people never referred to God in the Old Testament in an intimate way. As a matter of fact, you weren't allowed to say the name of God. You had to use uh, an example or another word to substitute for the actual name of God. And now Jesus is saying, uh, Paul is saying, that we have changed into a very intimate knowledge of God, a totally different relationship. And this is how he concludes. So you are no longer a slave or a servant, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Now, what he's talking about here is he's talking about how we went from before under the law, we were like servants, but that has passed. And so we have transitioned over into heirs. So we are justified as an heir of God. We're made right with God through faith, not through our own efforts. You see, the law would be like a servant. You can grow up, you can follow all the rules, you can do all the stuff, but in the end, you aren't an heir. You're not an owner. You don't get the benefit. But as a child, you've been adopted and you are now right with God so that you get all of this benefit of the spiritual blessing of knowing God. You're right with him. And when you're right with God, your life then is justified and all of these things change. Now, the reason why DIY is such a big deal is because it gives us a sense of accomplishment, right? It's like, if I want my life to be right, I mean, my whole life, if you think about it, is built a lot on accomplishing things, okay? Well, I went to school, I accomplished good grades and got a scholarship to university, right? So now it's paid for, I can do that. I got a job, I paid my own insurance, then I bought my own car. So we accomplish things. And when we accomplish things, is why I like DIY uh, and home projects, is because it gives me a sense of accomplishment. But in the really, really big decisions of life, particularly this one, is DIY best? Well, this is where we get a little trick. Because first of all, DIY always focuses on the outward acts, right? Hopefully you can read that, right? It focuses on the outward acts. Did you pass the test? Did you finish the job? Was the lawn mowed? Did you clean up your 
room? Did you close the restaurant down properly and get it cleaned? Did you finish the project? You know, your wife might say, did you get everything on the grocery list? So we accomplish things, but you're focusing on outward acts. And if you want to be right with God and you focus on outward acts, what do you tend to do? You tend to say, well, God, I'm a good person. I treat people fairly. You might even say, I go to church and I listen to that preacher and he puts me to sleep every week. That's a sacrifice. I could be golfing. And so, but what you're focusing on is outward acts, you see? Now, the difficulty with outward acts is that there's nothing that changes you on the inside. So you might feel accomplished spiritually, but your soul will still be thirsty. And that's a problem. Many, many years ago, before I moved out here, I lived in Wichita, Kansas, and I would do a lot of uh, uh, discipleship groups for breakfast. And there was this place close to where we lived called the Village Inn. It's kind of like the Waffle House of Kansas. And so we'd go down there, we'd have breakfast at this place all the time. They had this, you know, potato thing with onions and cheese and a little bit of that gravy over it. We won't go there because that just make me hungry. Um, but, but I would disciple guys. And one time, one of the guys that I knew from the church that I was doing ministry in at that time, I was on staff with a whole bunch of other people, is, is he was meeting with this older gentleman, you know? And I was probably 28, 27, 28. I'd been in the ministry probably four years by then. And, and so afterwards, I was just talking to my buddy. He said, oh, who's that? He goes, well, I'm looking to do a new business opportunity. Well, a week goes by, and I see that older gentleman there, and he, go, he comes up, and I introduce myself to him. We're talking. And uh, he says, yeah, I saw you preach last Sunday in church. I just want you to get a job. And I said, oh, really? I go, well, hey, tell me your story. Who are you? I, I got to know. He goes, he goes, well, I'm 62, and I've done really, really well. He uh, was a broker for insurance uh, offices that he would buy them and sell them, and he'd made a ton of money. And he says, but right now, I'm trying to get right with God. I said, why are you doing that? He says, because what I believed would make me happy turned out to be false. You see, I've been divorced twice. I have adult kids and grandkids. My relationship with my adult kids isn't so great. And my grandkids, I just would like to know them. So here I am, 62, with a ton of money and nobody in my life. What I thought was going to make me happy wouldn't make me happy. Turned out to be false. So I just blurted out. I said, well, I'm a young pastor. What advice would you give me to tell guys my age to not make the same mistakes? And he said, you know, that is a really great question. Tell them, get right with God before anything else. You see, justification through faith is the only way to be close to Jesus. Because what it's all about is it's all about the inside. Instead of outward acts, it's all about inward renewal. It's all about renewing your 
soul. And that is a huge deal. It's a huge deal when you're looking at your life. Because if you're trying to live your life proving to yourself that you're a good person, you'll end up where this man ended up in saying, what I thought would make me happy turned out to be false. So get right with God through faith in Jesus Christ because it begins with an inward renewal. Now let's move on and see what else Paul writes to the Galatians, okay? And this is number two. The second point he makes is that justification through faith is the only way to actually be free. Look at verse eight, where he says, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Now, what in the world does he mean by that? He says, we were in, these people were enslaved to something that wasn't actually a God at all. It had no capacity to do anything for your soul, right? Now, he tells you what that is in verse 10. We'll get there in just a verse, verse 9, though. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now he tells us what those things are. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So what is he saying? He's saying that before when you were trying to do it yourself by following the law, you focused on outward acts. And what you did is you focused on the forms, okay? And faith in Jesus, though, is not about forms. It's about freedom. See, this is a really big distinction. These are rules, right? And this is all about faith. And this is an important contra, you know, non-contrast, like law of non-contradiction. You have to pick one or the other. You can't do both. That's very important to understand. Basically, it's like this. Once you have a relationship with Jesus, what do you do to keep it strong? Once you have a relationship, you come to faith in Christ, you feel your soul feel, filled up. What do you do to keep your faith strong? Now, some people will focus on rules and outward forms. You'll find this even in Christianity. You can find a real legalistic church. We kind of call those things legalism because they put all their emphasis on forms and rules. Whereas if you're trying to really connect with God at a deep level, you're going to live in freedom and try to grow your faith. Now, see, once you come to know Jesus, how do you keep your faith strong? Well, the Judaizers were arguing, well, the way you do that is you become Jewish and you follow all the Jewish laws, and then you'll know you're on the right track. So do I follow the rules or do I grow my faith? Now, we look back and we think, how silly it is now that I would have to become Jewish if I decide to follow Jesus and give my life to him and I'm redeemed, that I would have to adopt all these Jewish rules. But lest we let ourselves off the hook, let us realize we do this all the time ourselves. You know where I see this happen more than anywhere else? Okay, I've been in Idaho 25 years, 
And so a lot of people have moved here from out of state. And I would like to state for the record, I am so glad you're here because it speaks to your wisdom and your capacity to know where the true promised land really exists. So welcome. You are my brother and my sister. So glad you're here. Now, second of all, though, I have noticed something is that when people move from California, Washington, the Midwest, it doesn't matter. Oftentimes when they visit our church, they were part of a really vibrant church that they loved from where they came from, right? So what happens is they will come to our church and they'll say, oh, there's so many things that we like about Foothills, but I have some questions. And oftentimes the last 25 years, I've sat down and talked to people who just moved here and they always have questions. And I always was really fascinated by some of the questions they had, you know? Things like, things like they say, why, before the pandemic, why do you pass an offering basket instead of an offering plate? And I was like, I, I have no idea why that is, you know? Uh, another question that we got was, um, was this, and that was, why do you allow your worship uh, personnel on stage to wear flannel? That was a question. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's Idaho, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I, I was like, I... I I don't know. And why are the chairs set up this way? And why is this that way? Or why is the, you know, and they, what they were doing is they were asking questions about forms and they were asking questions about outward acts. And it took me a while, probably 10 years to realize this is what people were doing. They were a part of a really dynamic church that they loved. Then they come here and what they're looking for is a church that feels, looks, and smells exactly like the one they came from. It's kind of like the franchise approach. It's like, man, I had an In-N-Out burger in Southern California, and I want an In-N-Out burger here, which by the way, I'm very supportive of an In-N-Out burger in Idaho. I'm very supportive of that. But what happens is you don't find one, so you go on a search to find a hamburger joint that has the closest thing to it as possible. But here's the difficulty with that, is that when you only focus on the forms or the rules of something, you never understand the faith that drove all of that. You never understand the freedom that drove all of that. Does that make sense to you? Because what happens is that it then hinders our capacity or people, they lose their capacity to actually connect to a church where God has called them to be in his church, even though it's different. And if we are stuck on forms, oftentimes we hinder our faith. So the best way to be justified is to be free in Jesus through faith. Then you know you are right with God and his work continues on. Here's another place that we do it all the time. And that is, uh, I have a hobby. Uh, you know, pastors, uh, you know, you, you, you're, it's kind of a 24-7 deal, right? Uh, you could be pretty busy, so you develop hobbies, right? And, and people, one of my hobbies is DIY. Love that. You know, that's always fun to distract myself. I have a few other hobbies. You know, I like to go skiing. I like to do some other things like that. But I also have another hobby. You know what that hobby is? Matchmaking. 
I like to find people, you know, and go, oh, they'd be good together. You know, let's go. Let's do that. It's kind of fun. And then see people mean and then see them get, you know, married and all that. That's kind of fun. You know, I, I always love that kind of stuff. So, so as, as I'm reading and studying about this stuff and trying to help people navigate in this world, how in the world to find someone and fall in love and do all this kind of stuff, it can be so complicated and how to do it. So I'm always reading and researching and I've been finding out this thing is that a lot of times what guys and gals do when they start dating is they always use forms before they ever go to faith, right? And that kind of makes sense. It's like, well, what, young lady, what are you looking for in a guy? Well, you know, uh, uh, she puts on her profile, you know, I'm looking for a guy, you know, who is 6'2", right? You know, he, he, you know, I like guys full head of hair, you know, and I like all this, you know, and so there's this guy you're looking at his pictures on the profile, and so you wink him or you twink him or you buzz him or you slide into his DMs or you do something like that. Not bad for a pastor who's been married 32 years to know that lingo, is there? People are like, oh, I'm so correcting you, you're so off. But, but what happens is, so then the guy shows up on the date, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, he's 5'8". In heels, you know, he's wearing two inch boot heels and he's 5'8. And then, not that this isn't attractive, but he has zero hair on his head. And you're going, in your profile pic, you had the, I saw this pic up close of all this hair on your head. And he looks at you and goes, Well, actually, that's a picture of my back. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny right there. You're like, oh, the setup on that was killing me. But even in our dating life, what do you do? You use forms. But when you really think about it, you know, you really want to get to the heart, right? To see if that is really what you're, you're attracted to. You see, justification through faith is the only way you can get out of looking at the outward and start looking at the inward. It's the only way that you can get away from just the structure of things to the heart of things. And that's why it is so important. Now let's move on because this is the biggest chunk, eight verses together, and talk about the last thing Paul talks about. He goes, the reason why you need to understand this is, is because the world is going to pressure you to be a DIYer when it comes to your spiritual life all the time. Okay, listen to what he says beginning in verse what is that? 12. Let's look at verse 12. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, look, we went through a tough time together. You took care of me. We're close. We're tight. We're really good friends. He goes, why aren't we good friends now? He goes, I can testify that. If you could have done so, you would have torn your eyes out and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by simply telling you the truth? You see, these other people, these Judaizers, are zealous to win you over but for no good. They got a bad agenda. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal 
for them. What he's saying is, we were really good friends. We were so tight. These guys come in, they first, they denigrate us because they want to split us apart. They want to divide us. Why did they do that? So that, that you would end up following them. He goes on to say, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed. Now, what he's saying here is something that's very important. And he's saying that these guys came in and the first thing they did is they tried to alienate us from one another. They tried to divide us. And they tried to win you over to their side. This happens all the time when it comes to this. Because the world is going to alienate you from Jesus so that you'll be a DIYer. And then you'll reap what DIY brings in your spiritual life. You see, the first thing the world does is culturally it denigrates Jesus and faith in Jesus all the time right? It's so fascinating to me that in every movie that you go see and TV shows, if there's a depiction of anybody who's serious about their faith, there's some kind of wackadoodle person, right? They're just like weird and they're out there and they're, oh, they act crazy all the time. And they're portrayed in many ways as being hateful and narrow-minded. Well, what is this? In my opinion, it doesn't represent the truth of people who follow Christ at all, but it is the world denigrating that so that other people will doubt checking it out and try to be a DIYer. They say, I don't want to be associated with the church. I don't want to be associated with people of faith. I don't want to be associated with that because it looks so weird. Well, once that happens, then they are able to get you to adopt their standard of success. Once they get to that point when people are, don't want to be a part of that, you end up by default, what? You pick something else. Now, a lot of people approach the spiritual life like this. They go, well, that, I kind of grew up that way and that seemed a little odd to me. And there, here's this option, that seems a little odd to me. And man, people can't seem to get along very well. So I'm just not going to choose anything. I'm going to kind of just kind of stay out. And so many people in American society are doing that today. And you see it because over 70% of Americans say they are Christians, which means that they follow Jesus, right? But what's fascinating is only about 20 to 25% of those people, or all Americans, actually participate in a church on a regular basis. That, there's a massive disconnect there, right? It's massive. Why is that? Well, I think it's because what the world has done is it denigrates Jesus first in order to get people to adopt its standard of success and be a DIYer. Because when you choose not to be a part of something, by default, you're choosing something else, whether you realize it or not. So faith in Jesus is all about affirmation of your life. It's all about discovering the value of your life and then how you live out that affirmation. A DIYer is always striving to prove to themselves right? Who they are. But the people who live in faith know who they are and they live it out. About 
I don't know, it's probably 15, 16 years ago, I was watching a documentary on futures and options trading. And they had done interviews with these two traders on the Chicago uh, Mercantile Board. And they trade commodities there. But mostly what they, these guys did is they traded options and futures. Now, just to give you a little kind of understanding of this is that you can buy and sell stocks, right? And you can buy and sell stocks and there doesn't necessarily have to be a loser when you buy and sell stocks, right? Everybody can buy a stock and then that stock price goes up, you know, and if you sell, so it doesn't have to have a loser if that stock keeps going up, right? Well, when you're trading an option or a future, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. You see what you're doing is you are making a contract with one other person. And you're saying, I think in the future, it's gonna go up. And then this person says, no, it's gonna go down. And then it comes due, guess what? One wins and one loses. You have to. And so what was really fascinating is there was this guy, he's probably about 58 years old. He's real lean, he's dressed real casual, and he was just the most chill dude. That's what my 15-year-old say. He was relaxed, you know, his vibe was just like, yeah, man, it's all right. Okay, and what was interesting is he had made a boatload of money. He's one of the most successful options traders out there. And he was just so relaxed, and so they're interviewing him. And then they interview this other guy, who was about 38 years old, probably 20 years younger than him. And this guy was 40 pounds overweight and he carried it all right here. He had patches of hair falling off of his head. He had a nervous twitch and he carried a bottle of Pepto-Bismol that he kept sipping at all the time. And he just said, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed, man. I mean, this thing is killing me. This, this, all, this job is killing me. It's gonna kill me. I'm, I'm gonna have a heart attack by the time I'm 40. You're 38. You know, he was so stressed out. And I was kind of looking at these two guys, right? And as they interviewed them, I go, okay, they're both doing what? The exact same thing. They've both been very successful at it. One is really happy doing it. The other one is about ready to have a heart attack. They asked that guy that was so stressed out. He goes, well, I'm just so afraid that I'm going to make a mistake. You know, I'm going to let people down. I'm going to do this. He was trying to prove to himself, right? He was trying to prove that he was supposed to be there over and over again. The other guy, you know what he said? He goes, well, when you trade futures, the bottom line is you win some, you lose some. That's the game. It's no big deal. You know, sometimes I have a bad day. Sometimes I have a good day. Why get all worked up about it? Now, if you had a choice, which kind of person would you like to be living life? The one who's so stressed out, the one who's falling apart, or the one who is enjoying the ride? See, this is what Paul is getting at over and over and over again. He's saying every DIYer, when it comes to your spiritual life, ends up having to prove that they're right with God. And in the end, you can never prove it to God or to yourself. But ultimately, through faith in Jesus Christ, Paul says, you are able to achieve the greatest thing of all, and that is being right with God. 
Now, if you want an explanation of verses 21 through 30, check out the phone app because I have uh, extra content on it. Or you can go back and listen to the Salty Pastor podcast number 57 because I really dig into it. But I want you to think about this choice right now. I want you to ask yourself, do I live my life justified through faith in Jesus or do I live my life as a DIYer? Where am I on that scale. Think about that choice because it's the biggest and most important choice you will ever make in your life. Let's listen to our host. Close us out. The Lord has already told you what is good, and this is what he requires, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6.8 puts the Christian life very simply. It doesn't mean it's easy. He definitely doesn't say that but he's laid out very clearly what you should pursue. If you're ready to pursue the right things, please let us help you. Download our booklet, How to Connect to Jesus. Text FH Baptism or FH Prayer to 97000. Go to foothills.org groups to connect with fellow believers. Or download the FH app and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss an opportunity to grow in your faith with Foothills. If you're streaming, Thank you for tuning in. The discussion question should pop up momentarily. Please take some time to prayerfully consider what you've heard today. If you're on campus, please stand for a closing blessing. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.